Thank you for downloading and listening to the Briam Bible Church Sunday Morning Podcast. Briam Bible Church is located in Shoreline, Washington, morning worship at 11, and many more events throughout the week. For more information, please visit our website at www.bereanshoreline.org. said earlier, uh, we are going to share in the communion table this morning, and uh, you are welcome, if you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, uh, to share in this uh, service with us. do not need to be a member of this church. And we uh, share communion at uh, Brian Bible Church um, about six times a year. And uh, we do it in our morning service, sometimes a Good Friday at different times. And it's something that uh, we feel is important. And also, uh, we do this because the Apostle Paul, in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, said this, For I received from the Lord, in verse 23, that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is a new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And then Paul goes on to say, For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So what we are doing, you know, we, we meet every week on the first day of the week, on Sunday, because that is the day that the Lord rose from the dead. It's Resurrection Sunday, every Sunday. We celebrate the communion service, the Lord's table. As the Apostle Paul said, that we are proclaiming as a body, the Lord's death until he comes. And we believe that this was given to the church at Corinth and hence to the body of Christ as something that uh, we can do as a worship, as a memorial, as a proclamation of the Lord's death until he comes. Would you pray with me? Father, as we uh, look to your word, as we celebrate the communion table, we pray that our hearts uh, would truly be focused on you today. And we are so thankful for the salvation that you've given us, for the love you've shed abroad in our hearts, and that we can share this with our family and friends and to proclaim as a body today the death of our Lord Jesus Christ, the payment for our sins. In Christ's name, we ask these things. Amen. It's kind of interesting that a week ago, uh, somebody here at church asked me, because they had received a request from somebody that doesn't live here anymore, was trying to remember what did our communion table used to say on it before we remodeled it. Some of you remember the communion table was quite a bit longer than this, and it was a lot heavier than this, and difficult to move around, and we thought with what we're doing here uh, some years ago that we, we, sort of sh- we, we shortened the length of it, kept everything else the same. And so I was asked, what did it used to say on it before we remodeled it? And uh, I felt really bad because I grew up in this church. You know, I sat right over there all my life and I couldn't remember what it said. And uh, somebody else said, well, I think maybe it said this. And we, you know, talked about it. And I said, well, I'll get back to you. I'll look into it and talk to our church archivist and so on. And finally came to the conclusion, our table never said anything. (laughs) There wasn't anything written on our table. Most communion tables that you see in churches, and I'm thinking of the church in Grand Rapids and another church that I've been to, uh, it usually said on the front of the table, and it comes from this passage, 
uh, in remembrance of me. And we were trying to decide, did it say in remembrance of me or remembrance of him? It didn't say anything. So I didn't feel so dumb after all. <laughs> and we got that straightened out. But this is something that, you know, I, I, you know something we've, we've always done at our church. And we've always made it uh, the focus of our morning service. If you're visiting with us today, normally this is the time of the service we have a sermon. Um, but I just want to give a short uh, devotional type thought today that we want our focus to be on uh, the cup and the bread as we share it together. And also, if, if you have young people, in the, it's up to you as far as, you know, we have no rules about what age and so on. If, if they know Christ and uh, use a parent, that's up to you as far as the children sharing in communion. But most of them, of course, are in children's church right now. It's interesting that when you read Paul's thoughts on the Lord's Supper, the Last Supper, his words really come from the, from the Gospel of Luke. If you turn back to Luke chapter uh, 22, and I guess, you know, as you think about it, it makes sense because Luke was a traveling and working companion of the Apostle Paul. So it would make sense that Luke's sources for the gospel of, of, of Christ that he gave us, that he, that he researched and God inspired him to write, that this would be, of course, Paul's sources probably for so much of the life of the Lord as well. So it makes sense that when we read Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and we read the different accounts, this particular words that are said, and from John too, that, that this really is uh, the, the account that, that Paul has in mind that, that Luke gives him. And one thing as we come to the table this morning, this, this was, of course, a, a Passover celebration. The Passover was the uh, freedom event for Israel. Uh, and they were uh, freed from Egypt as a nation of slaves. And it was the event that even to today, of course, is still celebrated in Judaism as their salvation epical event as a, as a people, Passover. And at the Passover meal, there is a certain, if you will, protocol, there's certain traditions, there are certain things that even today that are done. Um, you can pick up the, uh, the booklet that, uh, that gives the setter meal and so forth and explains all everything that's said. And uh, so as they gathered to do it, and, and Jesus was in Jerusalem for, of course, for this very important Passover. Uh, Passover is one of three holidays where every Jewish male was supposed to come to Jerusalem from all over the world, if they could. So the city was just packed, just packed with pilgrims and people there from all over the world for Passover. And, and the, the phrase that really caught my attention as I was rereading this and thinking about this was in verse 14. When the hour had come... Jesus had sent his disciples out to secure the room and, and to prepare and so forth. And it says, when the hour had come, he sat down and the twelve apostles, I'm reading from the New King James and I'll tell you why in just a minute. The twelve apostles, the disciples, with him. And then he said to them, with fervent desire, I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say to you, I will no longer eat of it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. 
It caught my attention as I read this in, uh, I believe it was the NIV, a couple other translations, that didn't quite catch the strength of this statement. That's why I wanted to read it to you from the, the New King James. I'm assuming the King James says the same thing. That, that the Lord Jesus speaking in Aramaic, and of course translated into Greek, but the Aramaic language is a sister tongue of Hebrew, a development of Hebrew, if you will. So we could say in Hebrew, in his native tongue. This is a very strong, intense statement. And that's why it's doubled. And in the original language that Luke wrote it in Greek, it is doubled. With desire, I have desired. That's what it says. With desire, I have desired. There was real strength to that statement. It would be like, you know, for me to just simply say, I really, really, really want to do this. Jesus, I mean, and I, and I got to thinking about this. Why? Why was there strength of this heartfelt desire to eat this meal with the apostles, with these 12 disciples? Why is this so strong? And I got to thinking about this and... Uh, and I was thinking about especially in light of the past week, the 10 days. Um, this past week, the 10 days, has been uh, a time of really um, a lot of congregational care in this congregation as, as pastor and, and as leaders and elders. And, I, and I've been reflecting back on, on the people I have visited with, um, the people that I have counsel with, have talked with, prayed with, read scripture with. And for people who are just uh, in, in a situation in life where they're just really looking for um, just, just, just needs right now, strength in, 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 in the Lord. And the, you know the thing that keeps coming back over and over and it's a, it's a, it's a, a consistency in every one of these situations, whether it's in the nursing home, the hospital, in the home, in my office, on the phone call, the thing that keeps coming back over and over again is how much I, I'm speaking on their behalf, how much I appreciate the prayers and, and support from my fellow believers. How important this is to me. How much I realize this. And as we've talked before, and as I, we shared with uh, one family, we all would like to, uh, you know, we all, and, and as a pastor, you know, I, I, I'm, this is my world all the time when I go visit. You know, I mean, you know, you know something? I'll tell you a little secret. Since November 25th, 1952, I have never spent a night in the hospital. That was when I was born, November 5th. I spent two weeks then in Swedish back in those days. That's how long my mom stayed in the hospital, two weeks. Um, you know, God's, I, that's, just, that's just the way it is. Yeah, I don't want to knock on wood. You know? <laughs> I shouldn't have said that. Anyway, and I, and I think too, as pastor, you know, I think all the time, you know, how would I, when my own wife had cancer three and a half years ago, and, you know, how, how would I respond if it were me? Steve and I are the same class, graduated the same year of high school. How would I respond if this, was, if this were me? And, I, and you probably think the same thing. 
How would you respond? Where would you find the strength? Where would you find God's grace to go through these very difficult times? You know, Norm Larson was was, uh, from one minute refing a game like he does all the time over in Wenatchee. And the next thing is in care center in Wenatchee and then heading over to Harborview over here. And diagnosis was a brain tumor. And then surgery. I mean, how do you respond? How do you respond to intense challenges, whether it's physical, whether it's financial, whether it's relationships, whatever the, whatever the need is. And oftentimes we, you know, we, we, we would, if we could, we would just like to try it out ahead of time so we could have some assurance. If that happened to me, yes, I know I could handle it. But you don't get to try it out ahead of time. When it's there, when it's there, God's grace is there. It, it doesn't not, it's not always happy, but there's peace. And God's grace is there. And as I read this passage, and I, and I was thinking about, you know, Gary asked us this morning to, to think about each other today as we are here as a family of God. And we are a family of God today. And when I think about Jesus and his brothers, he calls them his brothers, his disciples. These men whom, and even Judas is sitting here at this time, really struck us last year when, when the, our friends from Port Orchard came and did the Last Supper, you know. And it really struck, Teresa and I talked about this, that, that, that when Jesus, you know, washed their feet and so on, that, that Judas was there until he left. But as Jesus is there with his brothers, I'm just, I'm reading my own thoughts into this, and I, that, and I'm, this is not, you know, your opinion's as good as mine on this. But as I'm reading this, I'm just trying to feel this intense desire, this love that Jesus had for these 12 men who traveled with him, they walked together, they shared meals together, they stayed in the same lodging together. They were pilgrims together. They were homeless together, if you will. They were dependent on everybody else together. They, they knew each other. They were brothers. They were a, a, a band of brothers in a real sense. And Jesus, you know, the Bible tells us that you and I are made in God's image. There's something about you and there's something about me that reflects, and even every person, whether they're saved or not, when they Gideons hand out those Bibles, and whether they receive them or not, every person, and, and, I, and I respect the Gideons, and, and, and we, we love the Gideon work in this church, and, and we, we welcome you every year, um, because um, we believe in that ministry. And I've sat there and watched, waiting for my kids, pick them up from high school in Seattle, and watch the Gideons pass out the Bibles. And yeah, I've seen some get thrown, and I've seen some get ripped, and I see the Gideons never get angry, they never get mad, they're gracious, they are handing out God's Word. Because God's Word is, is so valuable. And as we, as we think about our relationship as a family of God, and what, and what God has done for us, and I, and I think about this humanity, you know, every young person that receives that Bible is made in the image of God. And Jesus, God himself, became human. And so in a sense, became 
took on our image. I mean, we are made, he made us in his image, and he became human and took on our image in a very real way. And because of that, he grew to love these guys. And this was going to be the, this is called the Last Supper. This was the last time he would ever sit down with all 12 of them in one place and in his full humanity be a part of their lives. You know, it's like when, when, when you know your son or daughter is heading off for college or military or something for the first time, or maybe you are, and you, and you think back on, you know, you're sort of dreading that day as it comes. I think of like when my father left the island of Rhodes and came to America at about 16 years old all by himself. I'm thinking, what in the, how in the world could you do that as a teenager? Can you imagine how you would feel with your family? And, and Jesus approaches this day and, and he's intensely, fervently desiring to spend this last time he is going to spend in his humanity with these men. Because after this meal, it will never be the same again. It will never be the same again. They will be together. They will see him. But he will be resurrected. And it will be wonderful. But it will be different. And after that, in those 40 days, then he would be gone. This was the last time these brothers and the Lord Jesus Christ would share in his full humanity this meal together. And he knew what lay before him, the cross of Calvary. He knew how intense, how deep, how horrible that suffering was going to be. And what he desired more than anything was to spend his last hours with his friends. And it just struck me as I read this. And as Jesus went on and, and tells them to, to take the bread, the cup, divide it among yourselves, and he says, I won't drink of this again until the kingdom of God comes, until that Messianic kingdom, before he drinks that cup again. And he tells them that this cup is the new covenant in his blood. And then, right afterward, after they're done with this, I mean, think of, talk about experience humanity. Then they began to question among themselves which of them it was who would do this thing to betray him. And then a dispute among them as to which of them should be considered the greatest broke out. And, you know, and Jesus is there with them. And they begin to debate about who's going to be the greatest. And he doesn't yell at them. He doesn't get angry with them. He doesn't chide them. He just, maybe he breathes a deep breath, you know. It's like, okay, listen, guys. This is what the kings of the Gentiles do. But this is not the way it's supposed to be among you. Let him who is the, be as the younger, who is the greatest. He who governs, and he says this, let him be the servant. And this connects back with what we've been studying from Galatians. As we saw, the Apostle Paul said, we are to serve one another. Jesus deeply desired to spend this last meal with his brothers. And he deeply desired to help them understand that after he is gone, he is 
asking them to become the slaves and servants of the people who would come to faith because of the cross at Calvary. It is good for us to be here together today. It is good for us to take communion together. It is good for us to realize we are really a part of each other's lives. And at any given moment, any given moment, any one of us would so much need and appreciate the prayers and encouragement and support and help of the body and that we in turn will be called upon to do that for others. Let's share in this communion table together. I hope that you've come today with a fervent desire to share with God's family in this worship time. The elders are going to come at this time and we're going to serve the bread. We have the unleavened bread, which was a representation of them, of the bread that they ate in the desert for those 40 years, God's sustenance, God's provision, and God's care for them. And so at each uh, Passover meal, the unleavened bread would be shared. And Jesus took it, he broke it into pieces, and he passed it to each of his disciples, his brothers. And he said to them, first of all, he said he gave thanks, and then he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And we eat this bread in remembrance that Jesus' body was broken and sacrificed for my sin and for yours. Do this in remembrance of him. Our Heavenly Father, just uh, last month, we celebrated the wonderful birth of our Savior, Jesus Christ. That little uh, tiny body that was cradled by Mary and Joseph, cared for, but just as much alive and human as we are, but fully God. And that body hung on the cross at Calvary, was battered, was beaten, and was broken because you loved us so much. And we stand here today and humbly give you thanks for the body given for us that has brought us into the body of Christ today, our brothers and sisters. Amen. That Passover evening, it was most likely the third cup of the night that they shared together that uh, Jesus took. And he took that cup and he said, This is the new covenant in my blood, which is shed for you. The Apostle Paul also repeats that, that this is the new covenant in his blood. We are participants in the new covenant. There is yet to come the new covenant with the household of Israel. But the new covenant in his blood that the Apostle Paul says we are ministers of this new covenant was the covenant of forgiveness for sins through the holy blood of Jesus Christ, the only sacrifice that could provide for salvation. It was shed on the cross of Calvary for me and for you. And before it was even shed, the first blood 
that Jesus gave up himself after he had been beaten, but he gave up this blood. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly in the Garden of Gethsemane. And his sweat became like great drops of blood that fell to the ground. The first blood he gave up was from himself because it was so intense what he was going to suffer. We will never, never understand the depths of his suffering in the cross of Calvary when he paid for my sin and for your sin. It was so intense, his perspiration actually had blood in it. He didn't get to try this out ahead of time. But an angel appeared to him from heaven and strengthened him. God knows how to take care of what belongs to him. His blood was given for our sin. We drink this cup. And afterward, would you hold it for just a moment of quiet, reflective prayer and give God thanks for the blood that paid for your sins. Father, we thank you. We thank you that even though we go about our lives and so often uh, can kind of lose track and maybe even forget a little bit about what you did for us. It is good for us to come back as a family. This is a good habit to come and to gather the first day of the week on Resurrection Sunday and to once again be refreshed and be reminded to rejoice, to be humbled, and to worship you for your great, great love. And we leave this place today surrounded by your love. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Hallelujah. Amen. Sit down. <laughs> now, listen, I know we usually leave after right after the last song, and I, I pray we leave. But today, I'm going to ask you ushers to come forward because we want to receive a special offering for the Gideons. Okay? So that's, we do this every year. Ushers, come on forward. And uh, meet somebody over there. Yep. Because uh, here's the thing, we, we are one of the largest supporting churches, the Gideons, in North Seattle, and we do that because we feel so strongly about their ministry, and I just want to remind you, every penny, literally, every penny, so if you even put some change into the offering plate today, whatever you can do, every single penny goes to purchasing Bibles. There is no overhead in Gideons. These men and our Gideons, this is all volunteer. Even when they travel overseas, they pay their own way. Every penny goes to Bibles. So I'm going to have a word of prayer. If you just give me just a moment here, we're going to receive this this extra offering and we'll forward it to the Gideons along with our monthly contribution so it can be used to buy God's Word. Heavenly Father, uh, we do rejoice. And we thank you that uh, we can share in the ministry of the Gideons. I thank you, Lord, for the Gideons that we've had in our church over the years, and we have now in their commitment to just sharing your word, their commitment to the local church. And Lord, as we give this offering today, we want to especially ask that you would bless every cent that is given, that the Bibles that are purchased will change lives, will bring people into eternity to come to know Christ as Savior, that cultures would be changed by your word as we know you can do. Bless this offering. In Christ's name, amen. Okay.
All right, we've been studying Galatians, and uh, we've been learning a lot about legalism, and we're not legalistic at this church, so let's do this. How about tonight, if we start church about 6.30? For those that are coming, <laughs> now don't feel bad if you don't come. I'm not going to come after you. But uh, how about we start at 6.30? Kevin's starting at 6.45. You'll be sharing rides and stuff. We'll have a little less singing time. And we won't need, you know, we'll, we'll make it work, and we'll get done about 7.15 or so. And I'll call a few people that aren't here that would be coming. Okay? All right? I mean, you're not going to be here anyway, so I don't, you don't care. <laughs> but those, those are going to be here. We'll start at 6.30 tonight, okay? All right. Thank you for coming today. God bless you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, again, as we reflect, Lord, on, as, as we learn in the Gospel of Mark, the last thing our Savior did with His beloved brothers, His disciples, before they left that room, Mark tells us they sang a hymn or hymns together. It's the last thing they did together. And Lord, those hymns for Passover were not mournful hymns. They were hymns of victory. They were hymns of celebration. They were hymns of joy. And Lord, we leave this place today with joy with celebration, with victory because of the death, burial, and resurrection of our Savior, Jesus Christ. In His name we pray today. Amen.